Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Brandon Dills, the owner of Jarhead Diagnostics, and Small Town Automotive Technologies in Lexington, North Carolina. Brandon found himself embroiled in some online drama recently, and so we discussed that as well as shops trashing each other and technicians doing the same online. Before we get started, don't forget to set this podcast to automatically download the latest episode, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player if you'd like, and make sure you check out our new content on our YouTube channel. And now, here we go. Brandon Dills. Hello. So I hear you've been ripping people's designs off. Funny. Well, that's what I hear. Like that, that's the word on the street. Um, so my question for you, sir, is are you stealing other people's designs? And are those designs which you have stolen patented? Wow. We're just like digging right in, aren't we? Well, I mean, that that was a that you tell him I don't like answering a question like that because that was a a leading question. I, I don't know how to categorize yeah. it, but he, I, he, if you answer it, if you answer it, I'm an asshole. <laughs> and if I don't answer it, I'm an asshole. No, no. If you answer it, you're just admitting to stealing it. And if you don't answer it, it looks like you're evading the question. Exactly. So, so either way, screwed. I'm an asshole. Yeah. Either way, you're screwed. So, um, so, um, in all you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to explain because I, I'm not in these groups, so I have no idea what's going on. All right. So, uh, Brandon, uh, how you doing tonight? Living the American dream. That's pretty awesome. Hey, there was some drama a while back and I, I think it would be cool to clear the air a little bit and talk a little bit about what happened. Um, and so, you know, you've got Jarhead diagnostics, you build some tools, you print some stuff, 3d printers, that kind of deal. Um, and there was a post and it was literally calling 
you out and they didn't call you out by name. They, they said some stuff and they then did. It, no, other people started like saying things like dill pickle and things like that. Yeah. Oh, now I get all the pickle jokes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you didn't had them my entire life. <laughs> really? Um, Your entire life? You've been, I, this is the first time I'm even making the connection. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, like, Hey, dill pickle, I told a, dill dough, all of it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Brandon, I yes. told a really foul joke to David the other day. And he like, he never laughed. He never did anything. And he was like, huh? Uh, uh, okay. Okay. And so we, we talked for a few minutes and he was editing the video where I said it. And like three hours later, he sends me a message back and he's like, ha, ha, ha. I get it. <laughs> White as teeth. <laughs> anyway. just, um, the, just the color reference makes me kind of yeah. guess what the joke was geared towards. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Listen, the last episode, we started it with dick jokes for seven minutes. Let's not do that again. Okay. Um, was that too long? Uh, no, it was not too long. I mean, <laughs> people are like not people are complaining about the podcast and saying no, like this is no. as far as I made it in your episode. <laughs> well, I guess you I, I got good and bad. I got good feedback, and they said it was really funny. And then, man, did it get serious really fast? And then I also got a like, what? What the hell was that? <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, you got to send me this feedback. I'm very curious. Uh. In all seriousness, Brandon, you know, I've often wondered about a lot of this because th this guy basically was calling you out without saying your name. He knew the people uh, that came on and eventually somewhat described you, for lack of a better term. We're going to come on and say that, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think it was is as much of a public call out as you can get without just calling somebody's name out. Um, and, and it really led me to a question which is a lot of these folks such as yourself are out here making tools and everybody's making the same thing, right? Correct. Like all of the tools are the same thing. Some of them vary in design. Some of them look different, but at the end of the day, they're pretty much the same tool. Uh, how, how do you go about that? Are you, and I'm I'm sure folks are copying other folks' designs, but if those aren't patented, are those really being stolen? I mean, tell me tell me your thoughts. I mean, we can discuss like the tool that that started it all. Um, it was a secondary ignition coil tester for coil on plug. It's been okay. it's literally been around for years. Okay, I didn't even make it to sell. I made it for myself, just goofing off, but. I don't hardly ever post on Jarhead's Facebook page anymore. So all I did was just post a video of, of me making it. And I didn't think anything of it. Like I literally didn't think, Ooh, I'm going to get all these sales from a Facebook post. It was just, I posted it. And then you sent me the message like, dude, what happened? I'm like, that, I, I didn't know what was going on. So that's whenever I found out I was being like ran through the ringers. But I mean, but to answer your question, it's everybody. I mean, w like, let's just look on the bigger scale. Snap-on, Alltel, launch. 
Right. They're scan tools. They all do the same thing. They scan vehicles. They might have other little features here and there, but Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your parts tech account, go to my shop and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. It's the same thing. Scopes. A scope's a scope. You know, does that mean that Pico isn't allowed to make one because they didn't make the first scope? No. You know what I mean? So Right. Well, and, That seems and- too general, though. You know, if if you make a scope that, I, I mean, I, I don't even know, like, what you would compare it to, but <clears throat> if there, the design was specific enough or had some unique feature on it that this guy had designed, and then you knocked it off, don't you think the guy would be, like, for example, somebody starts selling uh, grenade-shaped VA sensors, and they put their own name on it. Would you object? All right. So, I mean, if we want to talk about stuff like that, so, I mean, we can go way back when. Um, Whenever I first started making tools, I started 3D printing. I actually told somebody I was going to start 3D printing. That person said that it it won't work because of this reason or that, but that's not part of the discussion we're having. So I 3D printed something, started selling them 3D printed. That same person that said it probably will not work then started 3d printing stuff. I didn't care. I, I, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a That's free market. Are, yeah. Well, it, people yeah. Are like that though. It's, it's a free market. Go, go make your money. I mean, I look at it like this. There's, let's just say a hundred thousand technicians across the country. However many, I don't know the number. Let's just say a hundred thousand. Yeah. But I mean, I can't service a hundred thousand technicians for tools. God dang it. Like that, that would be, a massive undertaking. So you don't see me getting upset. I've literally had people buy my products. One of them bought my product, disassembled it, made a YouTube video showing how to build it and then started selling it on his website. Identical, like didn't change the placement of anything and put it on his website for sale, remaking identically to what I sold and you, you didn't hear me on the rooftops. How dare him? No, it's a free market. I mean, what, what am I going to do? So it is what it is. 
I'm like my, um, my egg on it, like the VCI holders and stuff. Right. There's literally, there's literally a gentleman that makes one identical to mine. He put his little flare on it, which is fine. But if you put them side by side, you could not tell them apart without really looking and saying, okay, that's his and that's his. But you didn't hear me up on the rooftop screaming, how dare him? And let me quote the other guy. Why don't you just go F my sister? I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, it's it's a free market. People make their own stuff. The tool in question that we're talking about has literally been out probably before I was born. You know, however long an oscilloscope's been out, the secondary probe has probably been right there with it, checking, you know, spark. Well, I, and, and I understand that, right? I really do. I, I just, and, and I think that the way that that person went about it was super aggressive, right? Um, what, I mean, what would your message be to them looking back at this now? I mean, uh, they, they got their ideas from somewhere and I I'm voting that, that they kind of did something similar, right? They, they didn't think this up and engineer this up all by themselves. Maybe they did. They're, they're welcome to come on and explain their side of this. Um, you know, and, and it was like, for instance, there was a comment saying like, Hey, he asked me where to get my parts or where I got my parts from. Right. Oh, don't Saying even, don't even get me. Don't even get me started on that. Like I have literally never talked to that gentleman ever. Not once have I commented on a post of his, like saying, where'd you get your parts and all this other stuff. And his one thing was like, he went on my video and that's where the parts was. His parts came from eBay. I don't buy any of my stuff from eBay. It's like, I literally never talked to that person. I've never asked that person how to do something. Never. And it was almost like it was just a bandwagon. He's done that to me. It's dude, I've, I've never had a conversation with you. Oh, you watch my YouTube videos. No, I haven't. Like, I don't just sit around trying to watch people's YouTube videos. What's he doing? What's he doing? Wasn't so, there some kind of controversy around? Maybe it was Brandon. I don't know. I mush all you mobile diet guys together. I maybe it wasn't you, but wasn't there somebody that was getting upset because uh, one of the the mobile guys or one of the diagnosticians was like showing people how to do EE prom stuff? Um, I I made a video of doing a used PCM on a Chrysler. I didn't show in depth on how to do it or anything. Were you the one? Was that you? Yeah, yeah. Everybody and, and just like started getting super upset. Like we can't super. be showing this stuff on YouTube. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I, that one, like kind of the same thing. People just bashed me like as much as you could be bashed. And I was just like, Oh, whatever. I mean, I took the video down and I, I said the same. Yeah. I, I, cause I, I said the, the same thing, like the gentleman that that's making all the fuss right now. I said the same thing to him that I said to the other person that started the, the issues with that video if you would have just said something to me, we could have had a discussion. And if I'm in the wrong, then I'll correct it. But if I'm not in the wrong or I don't feel like I'm in the wrong, then then there's nothing to talk about. But at least have the common courtesy to say something like to me. But that's that's the problem with social media now. It's so easy to just publicly bash somebody because they're a massive keyboard warrior. Look at me. I can 
talk bad about somebody. So D- David, I would just have to point this out. Our good friend Martin Rojas um, <laughs> points out in this post, uh, let's go, Brandon. And I just thought that that was the most awesome. Sorry, Brandon. Dude, I I don't care. I mean, that... Hold on, hold on. I want to get back to this YouTube thing because I I remember this very vaguely. But what was the objection to it? Um, How how dare you show that? Why, though? Like, who cares? Exactly. Uh, The the way I kind of see it is sometimes you have to have extremely expensive specialized tooling to do certain things. So if you don't have that tooling, then that video is not geared towards you. And the video in question got like, I don't know, 200 views. I mean, it, it's not like it was. And you almost have to go looking for that to find it. And, and here's the thing is that the, the same amount of attention was given to Mario because Mario was was making videos and explaining how to do things. And, and he wasn't showing all the work and the testing that went into it. And so one group got mad at him. It seems like there's a pretty solid group of actors that it comes to when it comes to stuff like this. If y'all notice that, like there well, is a now. See, the, oh, yeah. the problem, the problem with the YouTube thing is they like these people that, that especially about Mario, like I'll defend them to the end. Absolutely. As far as the YouTube thing goes, because your job on YouTube, you sent me this video, and this is 100% true. It could be informative, but it also has to be entertaining. And you are not showing step by step. The point is to keep the engagement, to keep the person's attention. So you're Correct. trying to make something that's entertaining. It's not just meant to be just disseminating information because it doesn't work. And you, as a YouTuber, want to see those views go up. You want to see as many views as possible for your video because you put a lot of work into it. And so, yeah, he's not going to show every little detail of the diagnostic process. The point is to inform and entertain. He's got to do both. So they're going to cut out a lot of things in there. It's not going to be comprehensive. It's not going to be exhaustive. And I, you, if anything, YouTube is just going to pique your interest into looking further Amen. into it. Yep, at no point do you look at a YouTube video as the end-all be-all. Uh, what's what's this nuts? Uh, Paul Danner, he, he puts a ton of information out on YouTube, a ton, but there's so much more to it that he even has an entire premium section to his website and a that book you have to pay and, for and a yeah. book and all this other stuff. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, couldn't you learn a lot from YouTube? Yes, you can learn a lot through YouTube, but it's maybe you'll probably get 70% of the way there, but that last 30% is so important. It is probably the most important 30% of the entire process. You don't even realize it because all you know is what YouTube has shown you. Does that make sense? Of course. Yeah, and I, and I, here's my here's my thought though. Is like they're what they're really trying to say is they want to there there's only two two things it could be, right? They could be jelly and they want to talk smack because their video didn't get views and somebody else's did or their product got attention and theirs didn't. Right. Like, so it could be a jealousy thing. It, the other thing is, is that they could truly want a barrier of entry. Like they don't want somebody to just be able to walk in and take their profits by, you know, they're, they're a a skilled technician. They put a lot of work into this. So they're a little nervous that by putting that information out there, more people are going to be able to do this when they're one of maybe 10 people in the nation that can do it. So they think that they're, you know, and, and maybe pride and ego play into it as well. Uh, that being said though, 
you know, if they want a barrier of entry, let's work towards a barrier of entry that that works because judging somebody by the YouTube content they put out or what they put online. Right. And 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 let's be real. Anybody who puts out videos, you're putting yourself out here. Right. People smash talk us. Right. They they smash. They talk do. You, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's usually <laughs> Dutch, but. Well, I, I mean, he gets so aggressive on those comments, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. He gets wound up. Have, do you guys know who um, Atwood, something Atwood is a YouTube channel um, tag on it? I can't remember his name, but he's got like a massive YouTube channel, but he was interviewing. Do you guys know who Cletus McFarlane is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he was interviewing Cletus and they were talking and they said, do you know when you've made it? You made it whenever you start having like hate comments and all this other stuff, because it's kind of like what you said. It's you're getting those haters out of the woodworks for absolutely no reason. I I want to ask David and I want to ask you before we move on, because you brought up something I want to talk about. Uh, Do either of you have more comments on this? Do you have anything you want to say to anybody that might be listening in this regard to what happened? Brandon. I mean, I, I I personally, I just think that it was all handled inappropriately. It, It was, if, if you want, if you've got an issue with somebody, it's a whole lot better to go to that person and have a conversation. Now, if he had a conversation with me. That's the mature me, thing to do. Yeah. More, if, it's much more fun to, to talk trash in front of them, but also kind of like low-key mask it a little bit so they don't quite know that you're bashing them. So you just say like snide comments in front of them, obviously talking about them, but they're you're hoping, ah, they're probably not smart enough to figure out that they're you're talking about them. And then the whole time, you're just laughing on the. Am I the only one that does this? Yeah, I mean, I do it. Smart enough to do it, but but in in this, I, I do that sometimes. But in this exact situation, I don't think that that would would work because yeah, I, I, if I mean, if, I'm just, if, I'm being if but when, if, when if Dusty, you had a, when Dusty is the one voice of reason, when yeah. Dustin Harrison brings the voice of reason and says, "Look, ladies, this is ridiculous. Get it off Facebook. You, you're not doing anything to help our industry. You're not doing anything to help each other. You're making yourself look like a fool. Stop." Like that's, when when Dusty has to step in and say that, that's that's saying something because he well, he's a ride or die kind of guy. He's like, "Whatever, man, do your own thing, right?" But for him to say that, I thought that was pretty impactful that he had that to say. It was, and like if you go in and and like look at the post. And like I said, I'm like I said, before we started recording, I'm not saying any names, but if you go to look at that post and look at my comments, my very first comment pretty much explained everything. It was like, look, you should just had a conversation with me and we would work through it. And then I think I did like one rebuttal comment. And then the one guy that was like, Oh, you copied me too. And all this. And I just responded with pretty much, I've never talked to you before. I, I kept it as completely, um, professional, professional as I could. Yeah. And, and what I said in my post, and then I even messaged the, the gentleman in private and I was like, look, you know, we should have had this conversation offline, you know, between us. And like I, like if, if he would have approached me and I told him to F off in a comment, then he went out online and was like, F this guy. Okay, whatever. Cause I told him to F off to begin with. I, I get it. But if it's, like if you just approached me straight up and we had a conversation, then it doesn't need to be out in public. So and, no, this, so this guy comes at you and your response was "f off," and then and like, what would you think was going to happen? This guy's just going to like freak out. 
Well, no, I that no, I'm that didn't happen. Oh, okay. What I'm saying is, no. What I'm saying is, is if he would have sent me a message to to start like the start of the whole thing, if he would have sent me a message and I told him to f off, and then he made his post, I get it, make the post, oh, whatever. Okay. I got you. But what I'm saying okay. is, is you yeah, should, you know, can be first. But you know, all these bandwagon people. Oh yeah, he copies everybody, and he. I mean, I don't. I don't just sit around and and ooh, what's he doing? Ooh, what's he doing? Like the the one guy that um, I told you makes the VCI holders that are similar to me. Like I've literally had conversations with that guy on helping him get set up to where he's profitable, making a business that's similar to mine. Like, he, like this is no lie. I I did because whenever he first started out, I bought some products from him, and I and I, whenever he gave me his pricing, I was like, dude, you're way off on your pricing. I was like, let's work through our pricing and let's get you set up. And then I'm in a private group chat with him about 3D printing. I'm the one that helped him. Well, I'm not one of. I'm one of a group that helped him get started doing it. It's not like I'm, oh, how dare him? No. I mean, dude, it's it's a massive market. I mean, the tools are out there and people need them. I can't supply to 100,000 people. Like, I don't have the infrastructure. God dang, that'd be a lot of money just to get in the infrastructure to supply to everybody. And then the guy in question that's, you know, all up in arms. I mean, he's... 3d printing tools that i 3d print i mean he's got his flair on it which is cool like that's his design awesome dude i'm glad you're making it same with the other guy that copied my stuff or, or similar to it it's like you've got your flair on it freaking awesome man it's it's like good go go do your stuff I, I i don't understand why people get so worked up over small things and then you got all the bandwagon people that are you know well, let's all run our mouth about this guy it's it just I don't understand why. Well, you know, and, and that's a good transition into to some of the things, you know, David and I had a really long, probably hour and a half conversation the other day. The end of the conversation, we both kind of said, hey, probably should have recorded that. Um, and, and we were talking about clients and we were talking about um, shops and businesses and, and how people talk about each other, right? Yep. And, and experiences with bad clients. And I, you know, I think this resonates with you because me and you have talked about some of the things that you've been through opening your shop. And I was telling David that, that two things happened over the past couple of weeks that, um, you know, weighed on me a little bit. Right. And, and one of them was, is we went to a, a shop that that's not really considered a competitor. We're friends. And we were trying to help them and, and Dutch went with us and we went over and we saw him. And one of the employees kept saying like, Hey, I know about you. You've got a reputation. You're buying reviews and you have to, you're doing all this advertising. And, and, and it was almost like I was doing something wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And even though it was this person just saying this, like I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, have I done something wrong? And I know I haven't, right? Like I've never paid for a review. I've never, like we pay for mechanic advisor that asks for reviews. We try and treat people really well. And, and she's like, well, you, you must have to advertise to get business. Right. And I'm like, no, I advertise to, to level the business out and to make sure that we're continuing to grow. We're getting ready to expand, you know? And, and I was talking to David about that and he went into this story about his day. And, and so I guess one of the things I want to talk about is the fact that these things weigh on you as a business owner. And, and David and I got into this conversation. We were talking about, for me, the, the other incident that we had was a uh, Volkswagen was in the shop. The technician and the service advisor estimated the job wrong. 
and and it was absolutely wrong. It was a stressful week. We had a lot of stuff going on. I made mistakes. They made mistakes. Everybody made mistakes, right? And and the client was not our typical ideal client. They came in a lot, but their average repair order was only like a hundred and some dollars. And you know, in our shop, that is very rare. We typically have more trust with our clients and we present everything the car could ever need and explain in priority what it is it needs and when it needs it, right? So it's very rare to see a low ARO for one client. So they were just coming to us for things like oil services and, and North Carolina state inspections. Well, they come in for a repair that they need and we document it and we write the estimate incorrectly and it was way off. And instead of saying, hey, something doesn't look right, he pulled the car and he went to the dealer and he sends me an email complaining and telling me that he wasn't going to write a review, but that he was upset about it and he was upset about the way things had played out. Now, I explained what we did wrong. I explained where we made mistakes and how we were going to fix that. But I also explained it was on a 2.0 TFSI, right? And he's like, the dealer tells me I don't even have a valve cover. I'm like, well, you, you don't have a valve cover per se. You have a cam cover and it is sealed, right? It still has a sealer on it and it leaks and it's known to leak down the front of the water pump and cause the water pump to buckle up, right? It was a thing. And, and oftentimes it was the PCV system that was leaking and would drip down the front of the motor. And, and so when we fix it, we try and eliminate that potential calls from happening again. And so I'm explaining all of these things to him in the places we made mistakes. And, and even though it was over and done with, it was a client that at the end of the day really is not going to impact the business in a negative way. Even if he leaves a, a one-star review, you know, that's going to happen. But man, it ate me up inside, right? For a whole weekend, I could not get that out of my head. And the same thing with that person at that other shop saying that stuff. Like, I can't get that out of my head. And so as David and I were talking, I'm like, you either have to disconnect from the ownership role or from the the people involved in the business, right? Not necessarily your employees, but you have to disconnect from that client experience where you're involved with the client every single day and you have to get to the point you really don't care or that is a cost of being in business. Is that, I mean, David, is that how you would summarize our conversation? You know, there's a, do you know, are you familiar with the concept of red pilling? I'm not. Okay. So there's an entire, like, uh, you see it a lot online, but there's, there's this movement of of men um who are they're 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 becoming red pilled and essentially they're looking at brandon are you familiar no okay um essentially they look at uh male and female dynamics you know um socially uh in a more traditional role men are to be more dominant they're supposed to be providers they're supposed to leave the cave go kill the the mammoth drag it back home and feed the family and women are supposed to be nurturers they're supposed to take care of the family um they take more submissive roles within the relationship um that that that's essentially red or that dynamic um should be ingrained in us biologically and now as we've progressed 
within society, especially in the, in, in the Western world, that's being eliminated. And what that's created is a whole bunch of essentially feminized men. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's 100% where we're at right now. And so men are no longer men. <laughs> and th- so th- that's, I'm not condoning it. I'm not. I'm not uh, dismissing it. I'm just stating what it is. Okay. But I find the the content to be very interesting because uh, sometimes some of these podcasts, uh, they're mostly podcasts, will bring in women uh, that are active in the dating scene. They will ask them, what do you rate yourself? One to 10. 10 being like drop dead gorgeous, most beautiful creature ever, and one being uh, hideous. And they're always a 10. Yeah, they're all eight to tens, all of them, a hundred percent of the time. There are eight to tens. That's how they see themselves. And a five is an average. And I was listening to one guy who was saying that, uh, these eight to 10 or women that consider themselves eight to 10 are all looking for men that make at least $80,000 a year that are at least six feet tall. And they they need to have uh, some other uh, characteristics, but that's what they're looking for. And, and this guy goes, "What are those characteristics?" I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but the, the <laughs> what stood out to me specifically was six feet tall and uh, making at least eighty thousand dollars a year. And within this racial demographic, the men in this racial demographic, uh, only fifteen percent of those men made more than eighty thousand dollars a year. The average was 40,500. So these, all of these women that consider themselves eight to tens, they were all fighting for or trying to attract, let's say it that way, not fighting for, trying to attract only 15% of that male population. Right. The numbers don't work. It's impossible. (laughs) Right. Right. They saw themselves as stepping down in marrying or at least dating or going after a guy that made $40,000 a year. But that was the average. That's your average man is making 40500 a year. And they thought themselves, they all thought themselves higher than average, which is statistically impossible, right? Yeah, Most people absolutely. are going to be averages. Most of people are going to be a four or five or a six. That's it. Most people are going to be that. Very few people are going to be an eight, nine, or a 10. But they all thought themselves an eight, nine, or 10. And so the criticism then on these women were that they were delusional and that society had ingrained that delusion into them, that they had all been taught that you have to see yourself as better than, uh, to, that you shouldn't settle ever, that you were, that you were born to be like this, this, uh, placed on a pedestal and Regardless of your actual physical characteristics, regardless of your personality, what you brought to the table, regardless of any of that, by default, from being simply born as a woman, this is your your position. Now, this is what they 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 talk about in this uh, this whole red pilling thing. And the reason why I bring this up is that they say that these that all of these women that consider themselves eight nines and tens are simply delusional. That it doesn't work that way. But they live their lives thinking that, okay? Right. And they dismiss right. anybody that says that they're not. They just dismiss it. They outright dismiss it. And they'll, they'll, 
<laughs> I find it hilarious. They'll sit there and they look at her. Now, yeah, you know, I'm looking at this woman and I'm like, yeah, that's not an eight or a nine or a ten, right? But you know, everybody has their own tastes, whatever. But the they'll they'll say, and these aren't just men like criticizing these women. These are women also criticizing these other women, and they're saying you're not an eight or nine or ten. Well, statistically, it doesn't work, but also I'm looking at you. You're not an eight or nine or ten. How dare and, you say that about yeah, me? How, how dare you? You're you're this shaming me or that shaming me or whatever, right? And and they're like, well, I just consider myself that. And it's like, okay, but you need to embrace reality. I wonder if as a business owner, right, you have to be delusional like that. I mean, or, I'm, a, I'm, yeah. I'm delusional just because I am a business owner. I mean, it makes yeah, me delusional. Well, I mean, you, you, <laughs> no, no, but you, like for, for, for you to – so we are taking care of 120 to 140 customers a month, okay? Right. Yeah. Or vehicles, maybe not individuals, but at least vehicles. There's 130, 120 to 140 vehicles are coming through my shop a month, okay? We have to be, we have to be really, really good – to ensure that a hundred percent of the bolts go back on properly and that a hundred of the repairs hold and that that's what we're striving for, right? We're all trying to like hit like perfection, 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 but perfection is not real, right? Right. Like right. that bracket is maybe going to get bent a little bit, getting put back in because it's easier. It's, or, you know, the loom doesn't get routed back into the little clip or the little Christmas tree doesn't get pushed in. It's just kind of left hanging there, but it's whatever. And things like that get missed. Right. And you do your absolute best. You want to you want to deliver an excellent product, but you're not going to be perfect. And I and the criticism comes in. Me as a business owner, my constant fear, my constant fear is that we're not going to deliver exceptional value. You know, and and I I agree with you, right? And I think about that, and and me and you have talked about that. We've even talked about the fact that maybe in some cases I should lower my prices, and that sounds crazy, but you know, we we drive a higher price than most of the places in town. And no, 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 I don't think you should ever lower your prices. I just think you charge for a lot of stuff, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, I do, right? There's no doubt about that. But you know, I guess my point though is that that um, when how do I want to say what I want to say when I look at this equation, right? The consumer doesn't really care about the quality. And I know that sucks. They, they no, no, only no. care they, about, they, they that, care about the quality until there's a, until problem. you, into, and no, they care about the quality until you price out the quality. And then they don't care about the quality until it goes well, bad. Then they care about well, the quality again. Right. No, no, well, that, no, that's, that's not true. That's not true. I think, I think most customers care about the quality. The problem is that they are assuming quality even if quality is not there i think right. that well, they come that, into that, the transaction like, what, with the assumption what percentage of quality. of quality do they accept right they so, they are words, assuming they're, they're per, just, for perfection dude i'm telling you they are i assuming understand perfection. that but i'm saying they expect the same quality from me as they expect from the place down the street right they're assuming that's what the you're same. getting at yeah and and the reality is is it's not there right it's not the same no. And and I hope it's not anyway. But but like you said, we almost have to have the red pill mentality because we all tell ourselves we're the best, right? We all tell ourselves we we offer more than anybody else. We all tell ourselves we offer this outstanding value. And I am going to tell you right now that there are times when I come back into my shop 
we've gone on a trip. Um, <clears throat> I've been working on the shop. Things happen. And I come back in. I'm like, wow, we've really missed the ball on some things. Right. We've this is what I'm provided. talking. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Go ahead. Sorry. I I mean, that, that was really the end of my statement. The, the consumer, <laughs> though, the consumer, though, is is wholly focused on what I'm paying for and what, you know, and, and the amenities, I think, get you part of the way. But they expect exceptional quality regardless of where they got the work done. They think it is all perfect no matter what. They think you're the professional. And 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 the same is probably true for doctors. You go to the doctor, you have a heart surgery, and you expect that booger to be perfect, right? Let, let's talk about Rick White. Let's look at his back, right? Went to one of the best back surgeons in, in the state, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is not going to be a problem at all. You're going to be just fine. Don't worry about a thing. And it took months to recover, right? Have you ever tried to write copy for yourself? Oh, yeah. If you have ever had to sit down and write an ad for a technician, I find it far easier to write copy for another shop, which I've done before. It flows out of me. Because you can blatantly lie about it and it doesn't bother you. No, no, no. It's not. They're not lies. Like you don't, you don't write good copy for a shop that you know is sketchy or whatever, right? Of course. Like you just don't take the job, but... I've written copy for other shops and I, I know the shop well enough to know that what I'm saying is a true statement. This is what I believe to be true. I have also tried to sit down and write copy for myself and I find it so difficult, so difficult because it's like, it's, it's like talking about yourself and, and in the third you, person. In, yeah. In the, and it's, it's not even that it's just, you're just, you're, you're just, dumping praise onto yourself like you just oh you're the absolute best you're the greatest ever you're like it's like no right better value like yeah and it, it's like oh this is disgusting you feel icky and yeah, you're yeah. like hey, hey am i better than the sketchy guy down the street charging 80 bucks for a quote-unquote diagnostic yeah i'm better than that guy i do think i'm better than that guy it, are do we make mistakes though and it's like but you can't put that in the in, in the on the website the yeah. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't work. It's like, hey, hey, we make a bunch of mistakes, but you know what? We try to own up for to them whenever we can, and we always fix them. <laughs> That's a terrible ad. You don't want to see that. You, you just, no, you, you just be like, look, no. I'll do my best to be honest with you, and I'm going to always try to be friendly. You name it, Sex Panther. Sixty percent of the time, <laughs> it works all the time. Well, I, you know, and and here's the thing is. You know, uh, it, it's just like your story, right? Like David, the the story with those people talking bad about you. The those are those are almost for me. There, I, I treat them as if they're wake up calls. When when the reality is, is people are going to talk bad about you no matter what you do. Yeah, right. I mean, like David, absolutely straight up got thrown under the bus by two people, right? Like a repair shop and a dealership. And, and that's what got me into this mess with this client I had is Volkswagen like really just had to absolutely rub it in and make it clear that, and, and we have the worst, most unethical, um, most morally uh, uh, <laughs> bankrupt, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, most terrible Volkswagen dealership. It's Volkswagen, Porsche. Kia and something else, right? Like yeah. they are terrible, terrible human beings. 
everybody there is terrible. And I, I would never, you guys know me pretty well. I would never say something like that. These people are absolute scumbags. And it's not the people in the dealership. It's the culture that runs downhill. But these people talk bad about every single other repair facility. Yet they talk bad about me and I take it super personally. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah like I, I had that happen. Um, I bought um, a used alignment machine. It's not the perfect Hunter brand new, all the whistles and everything else. But I got an alignment machine and I do alignments on a stand just like you do the alignments on the stands at your shop. Right. We have an alignment shop in our town. That's they specialize in alignments and suspension work. They're starting to dabble in more, but that's an alignment shop. I found out they were talking crap about me because of my new alignment machine. And it comes back to it's like, why do you have to talk down about somebody else? Yeah, I mean, it hurts to, your feelings, man. To, right? Like to, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, but it's I, I, I look at it like, why? Like, I, I don't understand why. Like, why do you have to talk down about something that you don't even know about? What I got told is they were telling people that it's the most inaccurate thing that's ever been on the market. Well, no. If I if you see me post a picture and I had plates and a string, okay, yeah, say it's inaccurate. <laughs> I, 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 I get it. But to say that it's the most inaccurate thing, it it's just it's untruthful. But it's almost like the only way that they can justify anything is to talk down or they don't know how to – portray it in any other way besides let's just talk down about one person and it sucks because like the person that was talking down about the alignment with my mobile business i was actually like pretty cordial with the owner of that shop talked all the time we always had conversations but it was like one of those oh you have an alignment machine now now i can't talk to you and it's like it just none of that makes sense because i look at it like the road that i'm on kind of back to the technicians with tools, like all the cars that pass by my shop, I can't service all those cars. Exactly. Like, like, like in no way, shape or form, I have a two bay shop. I can't like, I literally have probably a thousand cars drive past my shop every single day. And that's no lie. I can't service all those. Why do you got to talk down about me? Cause you think that I might get an alignment from you. If, if you're worried about one alignment, ruining your business, then you've got other issues going on wrong. Right. And and I, I I don't even think when, when we talk about it like that, I don't even think that it's jealousy. Right. I think it's fear. I think fear means that uh, there's some sort of feeling these people have David, uh, tell your story. I mean, explain what happened with your, with your couple of cars you had this week. The, the Porsche deal. Yeah. This guy comes in, uh, Brandon, let me, let me ask you. Porsche Panamera comes in, the front tires are cupped, like very clearly cupped. We took a picture of the tires. I went back and looked at it just to be sure tires are cupped. Do you recommend struts or no? Okay. Are they cupped or are they diagonal wiped? Serious question. Because like, okay, because there's... Hang on, before before you answer that, explain to him... Okay, so there is a difference between cupping and diagonal wiping, and if you look at them, they look the same. They do. Diagonal wiping is a cupping motion, but they're at an angle. So imagine you put a 45-degree angle across the tire, and the cupping follows that 45-degree angle from tread 
uh, shoulder to tread shoulder. Mm-hmm. That's diagonal wiping. If it's straight up and down, so the cups are are 90 degrees um, from shoulder to shoulder, that's cupping. So diagonal wipe is typically um, an alignment issue because it's dragging the tires. And so as it's dragging the tires, it'll drag, hop, drag, hop, and it's at, a, it's at an angle. Cupping is whenever like a strut or suspension components worn out and it's bouncing. So it's like it's an even bounce all the way down the road. If it's cupping, I would have recommended struts. That's typically the the repair is is worn struts. Um, if it's diagonal wiping, then you check suspension and then recommend an alignment. Okay. Well, does that answer your question? No. I, I, okay. Maybe kind of. Well, we recommended struts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we recommended struts. So which was it, David? Was it was it? I'd, I'd have to go wipe? back and look. I'd have to go back and look. <laughs> we have completely destroyed his psyche all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, at this point, now I'm not, now I'm really questioning. But here, here's your, what he your was peace told. of mind inspection should have been better. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was good enough that we took pictures of it and had co- and had uh, and had uh, at, you know evidence of it. Um, it wasn't just us telling them, right? We had pictures, but whatever. The, the point is, we recommended struts. He's he's like, hey, uh, I'm going to bring some struts for you because he was the customer that he was. We love him to death. He's been around with us for forever, right? And we obliged. We said, sure, we'll take your struts. We'll put them in. He leaves, calls us up. We had another incident. It was our mistake. We fixed it, whatever. He comes back and he's like, hey, I got a rattle. Can you just look over make sure nothing's loose? Okay, sure. My tech goes back and double checks all the torque, all the uh, all the bolts, and make sure that the torque's good. It's It's all good. And we tell them, look, bring it back when you're done with your trip. We'll look it back over. We'll see. We'll make sure that it's that, or we'll find the noise or whatever. And uh, he, we don't hear from him again. He calls me and says, hey, um, and, and this was a couple of days ago, just as I'm leaving the shop. He calls me and says, hey, um, I took the shop to, or took the vehicle to the dealership and a Porsche specialist. And they both told me that uh, t- that struts do not cause tire issues. And so we changed the struts for no reason. That's what he was told. And I said, uh, okay, well, and he wanted his old struts back. And I said, well, let me talk to the technician, see if he kept them, so on and so forth. One of the, he, the, it was a local Porsche dealership that he had gone to. And then the other place that he had gone to was the same shop that had recruited or attempted to recruit the same technician that he had that had recommended the struts on his Porsche. <laughs> he tried to, he had, he had uh, tried to recruit him away from me. He had actually hired him. The tech comes to me, tries to put his two week notice in. I said, no, that's not going to work. I counter offered and, uh, and he stayed with me, but had he, um, had he not, he would have been working at this other quote unquote Porsche specialist doing the same work and probably recommending struts on the same vehicle. The irony is my point. Anyway, comes- I was just, uh, I was upset because now this customer is look, coming back to me. The, the relationship soured at this point. He, he, he doesn't believe me at all. I replied back to him. I showed him, here's the picture of the, or here's, here's proof that the tires can be cupped due to worn struts. This can absolutely be uh, a straw problem. Worn struts will cause tire issues. What you were told was wrong unequivocally hundred percent is wrong to say 
blanket a blanket statement like that and say that struts don't cause tire issues is a hundred percent wrong, a hundred percent of the time. And so I, but now I'm having to defend myself against the quote unquote dealership because oh the dealership's the best and a quote unquote Porsche specialist who I guarantee has not walked into a training class in twenty years. Why? Because he doesn't need to. Oh, I don't need that junk. Well, I used to sell parts to that guy. I know he didn't show up to the training classes. I know he didn't show up to the training classes. You know, it, it, so I'll, I'll say a couple of things. And I, I did the exact same thing, right? Like, and I, I went back and read the emails that I sent the gentleman in the Volkswagen situation and realized I probably should have handled him with a telephone call and should have explained everything to him that way. Right? That, you, you're better right. on the phone. Like, I, right. I, I see a phone call. I I'm I missed I missed the mark with my email. I sounded defensive, right? I get it. But I've also learned something about myself as a consumer. And and look, in my defense with that Volkswagen, they said that there were no oil leaks on that car. And I took pictures. Like I took the pictures, marked them and sent them to him and said, Look, you can see the oil, right? Like they can say whatever they want. This is a picture of your car and there is the oil. Right? It dripped on the floor while it was in the shop. It's leaking. I don't even care if you bring your car back here. They're telling you it's not, but I promise it is. Here's the documentation. Yeah. And, and so one of the things that but I they, that's found, the problem though. Like they don't believe that because I, and I have on, no idea on, why on. they're, they're taking that person's word over their, their own eyes. It's like, well, I, okay, I'm looking at some drips. I don't know what that means. They're taking a leak. Their- they're taking their word because sometimes it's easier to believe somebody that has oh, I, your I same thought process. I understand, but it's illogical is my point. Well, I well it is, Sorry, it is. but I'll, I'll, I'll say this also. Through this building the shop process, I've learned a lot about myself as a consumer. And I've realized that when I don't know, right? Like a lot of these consumers come into our shops and they have no clue anything about their car, anything about what's going on. They don't know if they can trust you. They're just hoping they can trust you. Right. Would you agree with that? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So I I have found myself in that exact situation with building this shop. And there have been lots of things that I have been told from one person or another that were just like completely false. Now, I don't know if it was that they didn't know. I don't know if it was just a misunderstanding and I didn't ask the right question and didn't understand what they were saying, but there were things that I said like, Hey, is this going to be like this? And they're like, yeah, no problem. Right. And, and, and one of those cost me 35,000 extra dollars that I didn't have. Right. And I get it. Like that's part of building something. That's part of construction. Right. And when that happened, I became gun shy. Right. And I got to the point that every time any one of them told me anything, I was like, are you sure? And I would go ask other, other people and try and get more information from other people because I got burnt four times back to back over a couple different things to the point that I didn't trust anybody. And so I would go get information from somebody else. I would ask questions. I would get online and try and find information. And it turned out that some of the information I got, I didn't ask the right question. Or I I asked somebody and they didn't know, but because I didn't trust them and I didn't trust the person who was actually here, then I just ended up more confused than I was in the first place. What's the chance that these people, they go and they get the answer that they want to hear from somebody else, 
they don't trust you because they've already been burnt by somebody else, right? Now, David, in your case, it was a little bit different, right? They had been longtime clients, but think about it. They had the issue the first time. And so then they start questioning everything you do that changes them as a consumer. It changes their experience with you. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I can understand can that. I can understand that. And now, now so like full disclosure, my, my tech had worked on a different, that same tech had worked on a different vehicle of his. And he had like, I mean, this was like a rebuild from the front to the back uh, of a car that's a bajillion years old that you can't find parts for. I mean, we were custom making hydraulic hoses for this thing. But began, began, again, because it's it's this customer, and we're like, oh, we love this customer. We're just going to go ahead and do it. And not, not that it was outside of our, our realm of expertise. It wasn't. But it was just a lot of work, like almost restoration work, not, not something we normally do, right? He had he got this car all put back together, and he forgot to tighten the clamps on the exhaust. And it's it's the wraparound. Uh, there's a technical name for it. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but it's those the big clamp that wraps over the top of the pipe. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah, yeah. What, what are they called? Help me out here. Don't well, you got hanging. Well, you got V-band clamps, then you just have normal exhaust clamps, like. Like a worm no. clamp. No. Anyway, it, it's it's a BMW clamp. Like that's what they all look like, right? They all they wrap. They're they're huge. They're super long. They wrap over the entire pipe. Hey, if whatever. you know what this clamp is called, drop it in the comments down below. <laughs> what what are you talking about? There's nobody listening to this. This is a recording. I'm just saying. I understand that. I'm saying they can drop it in the comments of the podcast and we can find out later. Yeah, and we'll six have comments in the podcast. What are and, you talking and, about? And, and six months from now, whenever you air this on YouTube, they <laughs> yeah, can right. comment it on, on YouTube. No, it'll be it'll be a <laughs> clip. It'll be one clip that we'll put on there just so just so we can get comments. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, he had left he had left them loose. And and it's the style that you know, like it's not gonna leak, but it will eventually rattle loose. So that's what happened to this guy. It had he was driving down the interstate, flying down the road at 80 miles an hour, and the exhaust backed itself out, and the whole back half of the exhaust fell down and hit the ground. And you can imagine what that sounds like going, you know, down interstate speeds, having the exhaust scrape underneath your vehicle. I'm sure it freaked him out and it ruined his day, and he had to have the car towed back. He was not happy. And we put that thing back together, brand new clamps polished up his whole exhaust we had this thing look in the nines and he was super happy though with what we had left but i understand that all of a sudden a rattle develops a week later on the next repair he's gun shy now he's thinking what did you leave loose but we didn't leave anything loose it was his sketchy chinesium struts that he decided to bring into us one a pair of the struts that he bought cost half of what one strut would have been if he had bought it from me at my cost these were cheap struts, and we shouldn't have put them in. We should have said no, but we didn't. We made exceptions, and now we're paying the price for it. And I'm going to end up losing this customer. And by the way, I went back and looked at the tire, and it yeah, it looks like they're straight across the wear marks. So, so what you're saying is, is you did not follow your own rules. We did and not you, follow and, our own rules, and, and now you're eating. And it's and every time we don't. And this is how I started the conversation with Lucas the other night. It's like every time we don't follow our own yeah. rules, our own yep. protocols. Every single time we make an exception, we end up 
we end up in problems that we could have entirely avoided if we had just, yeah, we sound like assholes at the front when we're like, I'm sorry, I don't care that where you bought this part from, don't bring it in here. We're not putting it in. You don't want to sound like an asshole like that, but that's what you have to do. And we make yeah. exceptions and it turns into a cluster. It and, turns and into here's a the thing is you, you still end up in the same boat by turning it down because now you've lost that customer because of that. Right. Like it's a lose, lose. Like in a lot of these cases, there's nothing you can do to win. And and I'm sure you can work a little bit harder, right? You can, you can work around this conversation a little bit harder. You can work to explain the value. You can offer more options and, and give them more, um, more, you know, just like I'm, I'm, I, I am not the guy anymore. I used to be that is so firm on everything that it's like, nope, Nope. I can only do an alternator and a belt and a battery. And, you know, I got to take cooling hoses off. So those coolant hoses have to be replaced, right? Like I will give you options. I will give you every option I can. To a certain degree. Yes. I will explain the consequence of the, why this is why we typically do this. And, and I think options help a client make better decisions, but I I think at the end of the day, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have, I have eaten repairs. Because they turn them down and I don't want to be stuck with the bill. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, yeah. I know if they don't fix that, it's going to, uh, a perfect example, worked on an old Chevy truck and we did a ton of work on this truck, a ton of work on this truck. And the guy was super happy. I mean, my customers are older, they're retired, they're pulling a pension plus social security and they li- they're living in paid for homes, driving paid for vehicles. And sometimes they bring us some late nineties stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Their money is good as anybody else's and they don't want to go buy something new. They want to keep their old truck. Okay. I'm happy to work with them. We did a ton of work on this truck. It leaves, comes back a couple weeks later. It's like, Hey, the truck engine lights on and, and Hey, I've had to add coolant to it. We looked, the water pump is puking, puking. This water pump had blown out. We had sealed everything else. Water pumps leaking. He call we call him up and say, Hey, this is the much for the water pump. This is to fix the check engine light. And he's like, Yeah, okay. Uh, but I want my headlights fixed. That's more important to me. I want to be able to see at night. I'll just keep adding water to the car. I'm not going to worry about that water pump. The water pump is puking. Guess what I did? Now he couldn't, he wasn't going to pay for it. I couldn't have like talked him into it and let me offer. He had the money. That wasn't the issue. It just wasn't a priority for him. We had just done a ton of work on this vehicle. My name's on this truck. I'm sorry. I ate the water pump. I bought a cheapy water pump. I threw it in there. It's better than the one he had in there. Is it going to last three years, 36,000? Probably not. But you know what? He didn't pay for it. I ate the whole water pump repair. But but then the, the problem is, is a lot of these consumers, you're going to do that and they're going to be like, well, he must have done something to the water pump, right? Like, you know, I, I, I think in not some like ways. I can, I can see that. I can see that. But uh, right? he was I, not like I, that. He's like, oh, you replaced my water pump? Well, thanks. I'll see you later. <laughs> right. Exactly. And they, they don't understand. They don't value that like that. Right. They don't. I, I don't think they see it for what it is. And and I guess I guess this is where this comes down to. And, and Brandon, you've been doing this for a while, so you may not have as much of this feeling as, as I know I do. And I don't know if David feels this way or not. So but I, I feel like. I'm at a crossroads in my business where I have to decide, am I going to disconnect? Right. And like, oh, you know, for instance, your name being on the business, we talked about that with the walkers today, your name being on the business. 
Well, well, you know, they come in and ask for Bob and, and they don't even know who Bob is. Well, it's the same thing. Like, yeah. are you going to disconnect to the point that it doesn't hurt you like that? When somebody says that we've the, talked about multiple shop owners, I don't, who you, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The ADD is hard. Go, go ahead. Finish. <laughs> I, I mean, we've talked about multiple shop owners and you get into a situation where they've got five shops and, and, you know, three of those shops got one star reviews three weeks in a row and they're like, okay, whatever. Who cares? Right. That's, I can't do that. Dude, that, I stay up what, all night and I'm like, oh my God. Yes. But that's what but, I'm saying. I, see, I think there's a level of, it's not that they disconnect. I think I've abandoned that idea. I think so, it's that they're delusional. They no. still think that somebody walked up to them and said, dude, you are not a Nate. You're a two. Right. But you're like, okay, whatever. I'm a, I'm an eight. I'm going to get mine. So, so snap, I, snap, I, some technicians from these places who say that these guys think they're a 10 and they're a two. Well, so like how you're talking about the disconnect and the, uh, the multiple shop owners, Every shop, or like if you really look at them, they've all got their flagship store. This is my store. It's my right. baby. That one's got the good reviews. They're disconnected from the other ones. So no, it, no, 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 no. Yeah, they are. No, no, it, no. If if oh, you, dude, I'm telling you, there's there. I see these shop owners with with three, four, six shops. They all have terrible reviews, or they have eight thousand reviews. <laughs> And they're at like 4.5, but they have 8,000 reviews and they bury the one stars. That's what you were saying. Wasn't well, that you, Lucas? Yeah. Well, they just it, keep, it, they should keep pumping in fresh five-star reviews to mask the fact that they absolutely screwed the, the few one-star reviews where, that come where in. Do all the, where do all the client, I mean, can you do that in perpetuity? I think it's wrong. Like I could not, I, I don't think I could live with myself like that. I think I would be a miserable human being. I don't That's what think I'm saying though. I think they're delusional. I could ever get I, there. There's, this is them being told that they're threes and, and them looking at themselves in the mirror going, I'm not a three. I'm a solid nine and a quarter. Like I'm going to keep doing mine. I'm going to keep asking for what I think I deserve. I'm a 600-pound beautiful woman, but I'm a 10. Yeah. Well, I mean, why, yeah. Why, why, why you got to fat shame like that, man? Don't fat shame like that. I'm not fat shaming. I'm a 600-pound woman. Perfect, 600 pounds is perfectly healthy. <laughs> <laughs> David, David's okay with that. Probably. <laughs> Just, um, I'm not going to say that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think you're wrong. I think you were right. Right. And, and I, I can truly see what you're saying. I, I really understand that. Where do the clients keep coming from? I don't Is know. Is it possible to they do that advertise. in perpetuity? Like you can just Apparently, go forever. Dude, the, I look, look at my local Firestone. I drive down to that fire. Like we, we slowed way down. Whatever happened to be back to school, yada, yada, so on and so forth. And just for future reference, like I'm going to make sure I hold myself to this. I am going to double my marketing expense, uh, uh, budget going into back to school. And we're going to do this again. But um, we have slowed way down from what we normally do this week. But if I go down to the Firestone, that Firestone has a, I think a 2.3 star rating on Google. Holy crap. 2.3. There, and people are piling in for what i i don't understand and you know some of it is convenience i get that they're open till seven and they're open all weekend and so they're open like seven to seven on saturday they're open pretty much all day on sunday and so some people are like 
I, I get does those that Yelp mean that requests. they're more interested in the convenience? I mean, does that it has mean to be like it doesn't make price? any sense if they're not any cheaper than me? Dude, they're crazy expensive. They're crazy expensive. I just want you to know, I, was, I came it, in here with the idea that I was going to feel better about myself when we were done with this podcast. Now, I think I've just fooled myself into thinking I'm okay. So, like, I, I thought I was a three, and now I feel like a one. You're a ten in my books. <laughs> oh, thank you. I feel better. So, like, like with Firestone, it's it's a chain. So, you're, you've got that aspect going against you. You're not a chain store. You don't have the multi-million dollar commercials that run constantly like Firestone does. I mean, look at Firestone and their commercials and everything. So they're always out in front of people. So whenever they think auto repair, are they going to think with, I'm done with my auto repair? Or are they going to think Firestone? You know what I'm saying? Because Firestone's is constantly out in front of them. That's where I you get stuff like that. But then also in my past and working in dealerships and then I worked at Firestone for a while is there's a lot of yes. So you broke it. Okay. Maybe I did break it. We'll just give it to you for free. And so people like that aspect as well, where they know if they go there and they complain, the squeaky wheel gets greased, you know, they get free, whatever. So you've got a lot so of we're that teaching consumers to complain and get 100%. Yes. If, if somebody came to me and complained and they had something legitimate and you know, like when we were just talking about the strut situation, I told the guy, Hey, I don't want there to be any hard feelings. This is in essence what I told him. If you want me to give you back your struts and we call it even fine. If you want me to put your old struts back, even, even though I believe that they'll ruin but he's your new pissed. T- he your hates new your tires. guts. He thinks you it, tried to I, rip him off. I, I understand. He care. But, but it's not I'll, about the money for him. It's about the fact you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Apparently. But I offered to put those struts back in for free. Or but does that fix I'll the just fact you're a piece of a shit re- and try to rip him off? I'll, I offered him a refund. I said, I'll give you your money back. Or if you want me to put your old struts back and give you a refund, I will. But but I, I think in his mind, he's thinking the whole time David's been ripping me off. The whole time David has been taking advantage of me, I've trusted these people. Now look, two times that I came in, I had major issues. I go somewhere else and they're like, hey, those guys are real dumbasses. They're ripping you and off. We, and we now are he's absolutely, gotta, we're loaded I mean, you are making in an industry me, that does that. We are. You are making me feel so much worse about this situation. So you're, th- you're I, I saying. I feel way worse myself. You're saying that he is looking back at the last seven years that we've been doing business and now he's questioning every transaction. No, exactly. no, but how does he know that you don't have a new technician out back that's working on your stuff? Nobody ever thinks that. Yeah, that, but how does he know that, okay, for the past six years, they've been the top of the game, and then this past year, their game has fallen way off. Whether it has or it hasn't, but that, in that's, his... That's but being in, at least, that's at least giving me the benefit of the doubt. That's I right, think, but, but he might have been... An, but from an he, ego standpoint, like him personally, like I would think that I would think that they, you know, they dropped the ball a couple times because I'm not thinking, man, I'm so stupid. They, they had one over on me for the last seven years, but, but ha- hang on though, hang on. Let, let's think about the building situation, right? Like think about how I felt when, when the dude that had been building the building, like it becomes uber clear dude is a piece of shit, right? Yeah. Like. 
I, everything that he had said from that point on, I look at things now. I go down there to that building and like, man, he was such an effing idiot. He should have told me not to do this this way. He should have told me that way. And his way was was perfectly fine. It will be fine. It's just now that I'm going and doing my own research and looking up these little things that he told me that I didn't have time to look up before, he looks like a jackass because there's other ways to do things. Because you looked it up on YouTube and he doesn't like it. Well, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I go ask somebody else, I would have done this. I would have done that. Either way was right. But I feel like this dude took me for a loop and I'm so mad at him that I'm mad about everything else he's done. Right. I, I question everything this dude did from the word go. Now, that's my own personal experience. And that was a big deal. Somebody cost you thirty five thousand dollars, man. It's hard to get over that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but, I had when we opened up our our the current location we're in now, I, I am walking through the facility. OK. And I'm telling him, hey, I want to put a lift here. I want to put a lift there. And I'm telling this guy. I'm giving you a blank check. You tell me what I need and I'll buy it from you. You put it in and and we're good. You know, I've got the financing to pretty much do whatever I want. And the guy's like, mm, hey, you can do a mid-rise here. And I go, okay. So I buy two mid-rise lifts from him. I had no idea that these even existed. The low, the low ceiling lifts that have the bar right. across the bottom. I don't know what they're called. They're, but they're normal yeah. two-post lifts. No idea they even existed. I don't know. I'm asking the guy that sells equipment what's best. I've got a low ceiling. I need to be able to run cars through here. What do you think I should put in? He sells me mid-rise lifts that we drive over that are just about useless. Just about useless. Instead, he could have sold me those those other lifts. I would have been so much happier with that. Now, was that he wasn't being malicious. He was just incompetent. Right. And, 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 but you know what I'm saying though? Like, will you ever go back and buy anything from that guy? I will never buy anything from that guy. And he's tried to come back into my shop. He he retired shortly after. I I don't know what the hell his problem was, but he tried to come back into my shop. I ran him off. I, I laid in though. Like, dude, you screwed me here. I spent almost $10,000 on these stupid lifts for no effing reason. I could have been, had actual lifts in here that I could have used rather than these things. You know what we use them for? Dropping subframes. We roll right. it up underneath the car, lift it up, drop the suffering. The whole thing comes down with it. Makes it pretty useful. But now, I can't use them as a lift. Now, so here, down two lifts. Here, here's another question. Did, and this is not, I mean, it's geared towards you in this situation, but it's also geared towards pretty much the whole conversation we've been having. Did you not ask the correct questions? Because you might have had something in your mind where you're like, okay, this is the way I'm asking my question. And maybe he didn't comprehend your question. It's not that he was incompetent. And I'm just using this maybe, one thing yeah. as an example. Yeah. Because I run into it with customers all the time. They'll come in and they're like this, that, or the other thing. And they're trying to tell me this, that, and the third. But then whenever we really get down to what's going on, it is not their initial question that they yes, ask. first to understand. Correct. So maybe you didn't ask the correct questions and he didn't know how to change the question that you asked into better suiting your needs because then we would have known, okay, you could have got the, the scissor lifts that lift, you know, six feet up, seven feet up in the air. Like you and I were talking about, he, maybe he didn't know that. Maybe he was thinking that you said, I have low ceilings. 
that you want to keep your cars low, not that you want to shove the cars up into the ceiling. Like, cause like, that's, that's possible. The problem though, is that I was walking through the facility and I was showing him like, we're walking through the shop before we had put any lifts in there. The floor had just been finished up and we're walking through the shop and I'm, and I'm pointing out, I want to pull a car in through this door, drive past this lift and put it in here. But you see how low the ceiling is. It's whatever, nine and a half feet high. What can I put in here? And I, I relied on his expertise. I thought the guy knew what he was talking about. And he's like, well, you can do these things. But, you know, but see, did you, you, you did did you specify that you want to work under that vehicle? Or did you just specify that I need to lift a vehicle? Yeah, I, I mean, I can understand I, that. There's, I tell you what. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I'm, I'm sit- I've got to share this because I'm sitting here thinking about this. And, and, and I think it's important to share this because, you know, I, I'm envisioning this like walking through a parking lot with a bag on your shoulder and you stop and you pick up a piece of gravel and you walk a little bit more and you pick up another piece of gravel. By the time you get down the road, that (coughs) bag is so heavy. You can't carry the bag anymore. You've got so much baggage. You've got so much weight. You can't carry it. Right. And, and I'm looking at this as in compounding, right? We had so many things happen and they compounded when it, when it happened, whether it's the lift deal, whether it's the strut deal, whether it's the Volkswagen deal, it wasn't just one thing that caused the mistake. I, I, I've talked about it before. That old show that used to come on Discovery, Seconds from Disaster, they were talk, always talked about like it was never just one huge blatant mistake somebody made. It yeah, was a decimal a that was in the things. wrong place. Yeah. It was a, you know, and, and people lost their lives because of it. And so, you know. I think there are so many things that can happen in the course of a day that are so out of our control that we don't think about, that we're not on our toes fast enough, and we never will be, right? It's an unrealistic expectation to say that I am going to be so aware and present in my situation that I am going to pick up on every question I need to ask and get it right every time. That's not real life, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's impossible. Mm-hmm. And so that leaves us in a situation where we have no choice but to do the right thing after the wrong thing happened, right? Like we that that's the extent of it. And if we do that, you know, like I, I hired an advisor and he accidentally overcharged some people and they've left and they've not come back. And I've been like, hey, we need to call them and give them their money back or whatever. You know, it's just as bad to call them and say something after the fact. David, you and I talked yesterday. We were talking about our advisors and how we have in some ways hired advisors who are a, a less um, emotionally or reactive to that client that may, I don't want to say upset uh, or, or say that a client that would be upset. He's They're not emotionally, emotionally involved. They're exactly. not emotionally tied to the Exactly. To the hey, uh, you know, you're unhappy. I'm really sorry about that. Right? Yeah. And, and so I think that that builds into that, right? Where I was on the front counter, I picked up that phone. Oh, Mrs. Smith, I am so sorry you had trouble. Let me get you right in. I'll determine what's going on right now. We'll figure out what's up, right? Whereas Shannon's like, oh, I hate to hear that. Uh, tell you what, I'll get you on the schedule, right? Mm-hmm. And it makes the shop run smoother, but it has a cost. It has a downstream cost associated with it. Now, Miss Smith doesn't trust us as much. Whereas if Lucas was there, Miss Smith would have come right back and I would have, I would have well, pained myself to find the answer. That That's what you're saying is the, the age old thing that nobody's going to run your business as well as you do or treat your business the way that you want it to be treated. It, so, so you want your business to be treated where 
I want to hug every single one of my customers, kiss them on their forehead and love on them. But you as the owner, you instilled, Shannon, I need you to sell $1.3 million by tomorrow. So Shannon's got to do what he's got to do to get the $1.3 million. He can't kiss babies on the foreheads, sign autographs and all that other stuff because he's just got to get through the day to get what right. what you what you put in the play. And so maybe instead of Lucas being disconnected, Lucas hangs out on the counter and kisses babies on the foreheads and Shannon does a job. Well, and and I understand that, right? Like I and I do that some. But my the the problem is that you sh- if you're doing the owner job, there's still a lot of things that have to be done. There's still going to be times you can't be there to do that. Right? And and I always talk about desired outcomes. Like I I tell my staff I want to focus on the desired outcome, right? The end result of what we're trying to accomplish. And 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 it, this is what David and I were talking about yesterday. I want to be careful about how we we cover this, but part of it was to disconnect. Part of it was to not have that emotional baggage. I I woke up. You bring when it I home. Was running the, I understand, yeah. but I, I'm saying when when I ran the shop, I would wake up at three a.m. and be like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Right. That client's upset at me and I would know they were upset and dude, it was heavy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I worried about those things and I wanted people to be happy and I wanted things to go well. And I wanted the shop to have a good reputation. I still want those things, but if I am highly engaged in that, it will make me unwell after a while. Does that make sense? I'm not afraid I, to say it. It I, will I, make I, me physically and emotionally unwell. I'm going through that right now. I mean, like if, if we compare all three of our shops I'm the one right now that's, I guess, in the trenches compared to you two because you guys got your employees set up to where you can have that small disconnect. Whereas, like, right now, I'm in the trenches having to deal with all that and having, I mean, trust me, I've had conversations with both of you that's lasted long periods of time because of going through all of that. So I, I fully understand what you're saying, where you need that that it's a disconnect, whether it's um, daily or weekly or whatever, where you just need to detach from it and yeah. and get away. Because if not, it it will it it drags you down. And, and, and there's got to be you know there's got to be balance to it, right? Let, yep. Let's let's think about what happened with and and I I'm going to use this as an example an example. Please don't take it personally, but let's think about the tool deal. Right, that had to hurt your feelings. There's no way around it. See people that you thought were friends. See people that you trusted. See people that you thought liked you. Pop up there and say that. Like, yeah, I, it would hurt my feelings if I were in your shoes. Right, and and I've had things in my business that hurt my feelings. Right, there's zero doubt about it. Um, I, I'm I'm an emotional creature. I care about people. I care about the business. I want everybody to be happy with me. I want everything to work like it's supposed to, and everybody to have a great time and a great experience. I know it's not always possible. But, you know, I look at that and I think if we disconnect to a degree, it builds up, right? And it turns into a giant explosion eventually, right? Like you don't know it's happening. You don't know it's happening. It's like uh, Rick always says, trust but verify, right? Like you you trust that everybody's doing their job right, but you better verify from time to time or you're going to wake up one day and realize they weren't. I've done that a few times. 
And so, like, I think that there's got to be a balance between disconnect and still making sure that everybody's doing the right job and serving the client the right way. And they're still getting a good product. And I, I feel like up until the last three or four months, we've had a really good balance in that area, right? We've really had a good balance. We've had things that have happened over the last three or four months that make me question like, hey, why are we all of a sudden doing these weird one-off things that we've never done before? Why are you not following the process like we had talked about before? Why are you not asking me about that? That's weird. Why are we doing that? You know? So I think there's, there's got to be a balance to it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.